This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here for a fresh agenda. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, this is a little spot on the digital universe where we try to talk to innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to understand how they get at their deepest work through all the distractions of life. And there have been a lot of distractions lately uh, in the news, a lot of politics going on, a lot of people talking smack to each other online. Uh, I use this podcast to kind of take a break from that. And we talk to innovators, entrepreneurs, thought leaders about some of the things they do to stay creative, to stay focused, and to move their initiatives forward. And, you know, usually it's something super positive. So I, I try to do that with this podcast. And so we can all kind of take a little bit of a break during the week from that. And I've got a great one today. We're going to be talking to a woman who, along with her husband, started a tech incubator inside one of the most unlikeliest places in the world, San Quentin Prison. And they did this several years ago, and the program has taken off and been so successful that they've opened it up in other correctional facilities as well. And the guys that are coming out of these programs and women, they are getting jobs, like amazing jobs in Silicon Valley. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has actually toured the facility uh, at San Quentin facility and seen the program in action. So it's, it's pretty exciting and pretty unique. So I know that you're going to enjoy that conversation with her because she said when she first went into the prison, uh, actually, she, her husband went into the prison first. And when he came home and told her what he wanted to do, um, yeah, you'll hear what she had to say at the beginning. Uh, anyhow, I hope you are having an excellent week. I am. Uh, as I tape this, it's on Tuesday. And usually I, I like to try to get my podcasts out by Tuesday, but it's been so busy. Um, I'm doing this work with iHeartMedia at KFBK, News Radio KFBK. So I'm doing that in the mornings, working with some amazing clients during the evening hours or the afternoon hours. Uh, the Folsom Chamber, we're doing a hyperlocal digital series. This is season two. It's called Folsom Focus. You can see those stories at FolsomFocus.com or FolsomChamber.com. Yeah, go to their website to see those stories because they're turning out fantastic. Uh, and then I'm preparing for a trip to Atlanta soon. And that's going to be a blast. We're doing the big P20 conference, Payments 20. I'm part of the broadcast team and it's, it's going to be fantastic. So these are folks from all over the world that are in the business of transactions. Uh, we're going to Atlanta because they're otherwise known as Transaction Alley. 70% of all the transactions in the world go through the city of Atlanta. Uh, so every time you swipe a card or insert a card and pay with a card, those are uh, the people that are doing it. And they're all going to be in Atlanta in a week from now. So I'm excited to be part of the broadcast team doing that. And I'll have more about that. Hopefully I'm going to get one of them to be a guest on A Fresh Agenda because they are doing some very innovative, interesting things with payments and, uh, and, and moving money around as fast as all of us are demanding it be moved around these days. All right. In the meantime, let's talk about New Age Aerial. It's more than a bird's eye view. New Age Aerial brings you beautiful vistas, breathtaking overviews, and an understanding of how things look from above. I love these guys at Sponsors. Had a chance to go out with Dave and Fred. Uh, they showed me how the drones work. We got some gorgeous shots of bridges and over water, but I mean, they're more than pretty pictures. These guys are experienced flyers. Government agencies trust them during big crises. They can even send up a drone with guided monitoring from an engineer on the ground to get a exactly the photos and the video needed. 
They are artists in the sky as well, getting those unforgettable and scenic shots that open movies and thrill at the beginning of large business presentations. So proud to have them as a sponsor. They are innovators in drone technology and use. New Age Aerial. Check them out online at newageaerial.com. And when you do, let them know well, we sent you or I sent you a fresh agenda. Use that code and they will take great care of you. All right, let's talk to Beverly Parenti of The Last Mile. Beverly joins me now, Executive Director of The Last Mile. Thanks for spending some time with us. Of course. Good morning, Christina. Well, I've heard that when your husband initially visited San Quentin and presented you with kind of a rough idea of what he'd like to do, your response was not only no, but F no. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I'll never live that one down. What were your misconceptions? Well, actually, it wasn't a misconception. It was just I had probably the same feeling about um, spending time in prison as most people do because what we hear and see in the media um, is really a, that in itself is the misconception. Um, I also was really ignorant. You know, I'd never been inside a correctional facility. Um, I didn't know anyone who had been uh, incarcerated. And so um, I thought there's so many problems in the world and I have so little free time. Why would I want to spend my time? Uh, going into prison. Right. And most of us don't have much experience with uh, someone who's gone to prison or, you know, have done time ourselves. And when we think about the insides of those places, I mean, they they seem like very scary places with filled with people that we do not want to, um, you know, socialize with. You're absolutely right. Um, And it was because of the research that I had done uh, after his crazy idea. I call them another one of Chris's CCIs or Chris's crazy ideas. Um, after he approached me with this idea of starting a technology accelerator inside San Quentin, similar to what we were doing in San Francisco at the time, um, I thought, well, I'll do some research and find out what the issues are uh, before I give him my absolute no. And what I found out about the issues facing the society today in that the United States has 5% of the world population and 25% of the world's incarcerated population. We, at the time in California, were spending over $60,000 a year to keep someone incarcerated. Costs, of course, have gone up since then. But the number that really got to me was the fact that over 60% recidivate. That means that within three years, 60% of those who return to society from incarcerated settings go back. So that made no sense. Tells you the system's broken. It doesn't work. And what we're doing right now is not working. Well, exactly. So we're not rehabilitating. We're just, we, at the time, um, they were, you know, not having the skills to be successful when they return to society. In fact, within one year, 75% were unemployed. So, okay, so uh, cerebrally, now I understood. And, you know, when you do the numbers, it just made no sense to release people back into society without the skills to be successful. And I thought if we could help reduce recidivism by 5% or whatever the number would be, and save those tax dollars from spending on incarceration and put that money to work on education, 
and, and helping the youth of our state and our society to be more successful in their own development and career paths, then perhaps we could break that generational cycle of incarceration that exists. So to me, it made sense um, now from a fiscal perspective. Uh, so I actually agreed to go inside San Quentin and attend a program uh, and ceremony and meet some of the men who Chris had met the first time he went inside. And it was one of the men who performed a spoken word poetry piece that actually got me to cross the chasm. And he said, I can no longer let 12 minutes of one day define who I am as a person. I can no longer let 12 minutes of one day define who I am as a person. And I thought, we are all judging you. And I mean, all of you, the, the men in blue or the, the men who are living inside San Quentin, we're judging you by that, exactly that. So I thought, you know, we could, if we give them the tools to be successful, return to society and not recidivate, then we are doing a really good deed, not just for the threat, these men and their families and their communities, but for society at large. And, you know, that's how it started. Man, well, you know, I've never been to San Quentin, but um, I have been to Supermax in Colorado. And that is like well, a high-tech version of hell. Uh, these institutions, they really have felt, at least the ones I've visited, of like places where hope goes to die. What did you mm. find in these men when you were there? And um, that spoken word, I mean, it's so um, it's so beautifully put uh, that, you know, just that 12 minutes of that one man's day to, to have to, to live with that for the rest of their lives. What hope did you find there that told you this can be done? Well, um, it's a great question. And I have to say, uh, San Quentin is a bit of an anomaly in at the time, especially uh, when it comes to correctional institutions, because of the proximity to San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley. There, they have a, a large number of volunteers who come inside and teach programs. Uh, they also have the opportunity through the Prison University Project to earn an Associates of Arts degree. And what I what I saw inside were a percentage, not everybody, but a, a, a good percentage of the men there. And this is a level two facility, so not a supermax. Um, they are just sponges for programs and knowledge and the tools. They, they want to have the tools to walk out the gates and be successful. And what I also saw was an administration who was open and just arms open to to those who want to bring in really quality programs to provide hope to provide knowledge to provide skills to provide to provide vocational training and believe it or not all of the programs and the opportunities for the men to occupy their time doing very construction constructive things also helped the environment inside um you know it, it if you if you are occupied and, and um, using your time wisely, then there is little time for violence and trouble. So the administration was very open and receptive. The men themselves were 
you know, open arms to us, please come in. Um, and also the business community. We have a tremendous group of volunteers and guest speakers who come inside on a regular basis to provide training and uh, knowledge and books and authors who will share their stories with, with our students. It's interesting. As I was listening to you talk, I was looking at um, the, um, the, the some notes I made about one of Chris's talks on this, and he said that you guys needed to do three things. And you mentioned those just in that last, um, that last paragraph. Will they be able to absorb the lessons? Will we get the business community to help? And after graduation release, can we get businesses to hire them? Which one of those was the hardest? Hmm. You know, I so I I really don't know that any of them were hard um, because the results and the people who are returning to society are of such high quality and are so determined to succeed that the businesses just I have more business demand right now than I have graduates coming home. Really, the businesses um, this, are approaching you, saying we want we want these men and women. Yes, and women. Yes, exactly. They are. Um, you know, we um, in, in our first four years, we had an entrepreneurship program where we taught how to write a business plan, how to tap into your passion. What would your business be if you could create something that you would do every day, and you know, you would even do it for free? What is the technology component associated with that and the social cause. And it's very well documented on our website, thelastmile.org. There are videos of our demo days. And the ideas that the men came up with were extraordinary. But even more impressive than the ideas is how they were able to pitch them and how they had presence on the stage and how they were able to articulate their message. They just had so much drive and determination. So when the first um, 10 or dozen or so people came home, they were working for a variety of companies, including tech companies, but the um, some had service jobs or customer service within businesses. And of course, every business utilizes technology. So they're already familiar with what's going on. And I have to say, without exception, uh, the businesses have said that these are the some of the best employees they have ever had because they show up every day. They're there early. They stay late. They always have a smile on their face and there is nothing that they wouldn't do. And what they do with such enthusiasm and genuine interest just becomes infectious in, in their company. You know, um, it seems that prisoners, the things that get them there especially the the drug offenders that are maybe dealing drugs or whatever it you have to be pretty entrepreneurial to be a criminal to be someone who's selling drugs uh, i mean they have like supply lines they set up and they have they have a rough business plan of how they're going to do this sort of thing so it it sounds like a lot of people have an entrepreneurial spirit but just have chosen incorrectly that's exactly right and they say that too they say look i'm an entrepreneur i had a great company. I just was on the wrong side of the law. So when I get out, I have the tools to be successful. I get it. I've already run a company. 
but this time I'm going to do it the right way. Do any of them worry about stigma? Because I know, I think when I, I think I told you when we talked earlier, I had followed a prisoner on his last day of, of um, his release day, and I followed him for two years. And it was very difficult. Now, this is 20 years ago. It was very difficult for him to reintegrate because people saw that he had served time, did not want to hire him. Uh, are the prisoners themselves or the, the inmates, the graduates, are they worried about stigma? So um, interesting that you say that because after the four-year entrepreneurship program, we decided that it would be really, um, really smart to pick a definable job skill so that when they do return to society, they're not showing up and, and showing up at an interview without a very specific skill. And if you think about software engineering, and computer coding, it is really one of the only areas where one could be judged by the quality of their work and not the stigma of their past. They have a portfolio of work that they have uh, accomplished while they're incarcerated. Some um, who work for our joint venture web development company after graduating from the coding program actually have referenceable clients. So uh, software engineering is a field that you could work for a company, you could work remotely, or you could develop your own business online. Um, but is there a stigma? There is. Has it changed over the last eight to 10 years that we've been running our program? Absolutely, yes. Why has it changed? Well, I think as a society, we're looking at criminal justice in a, in a new light um, because there are so many archaic laws that have put people in prison for, you know, small possessions of marijuana, uh, for example, which, you know, the guys, uh, especially at San Quentin, are like baffled, like the crime that I was put in for now today is legal and I'm serving a life sentence because of three strikes potentially and haven't yet had the opportunity to be resentenced. So um, the stigma is still there, um, but it's also the the guys who have been and women who have returned to society and have become successful are helping to change that narrative. I saw a couple of those uh, previous graduates in some of the videos that are posted online come back and talk and, and the, the looks on the faces of the guys are still in are, are priceless. I mean, as they look at this person who was in the same position. Well, it's aspirational. And what they say is, if he can do it, I can do it too. In fact, uh, last Friday, we had our demo day and graduation at San Quentin for our coding program and also the opening of our new technology center, um, which we run our programs at San Quentin and several other facilities in partnership with Cal PIA, which is the California Prison Industry Authority. So it's really career technical education. And for this demo day, we had some of our graduates, I believe there were eight of them, come back inside to attend the graduation and then to be there for the grand opening of this tech center. And when I asked them all to stand in the audience of over 350 people, the, the ovation they received was um, just, it was amazing, not only from the guests, but also from the men in blue. And to be able to see them uh, dressed in their suits and, and just beaming and to, for the men to be able to talk to them about their success and what they're doing today, um, it's, it's 
I kind of I, I'm lost for words to, to even describe what that feels like. But it sets, you know, it sets a goal for them, uh, for the guys and, and women who are still incarcerated to be able to come home and know that they could do it, too. Right. It's such a, a feeling of, of triumph. You can see that on their faces. And uh, I, I've watched so many of the um, the videos over the last few days, and I would encourage others to go on and take a look at them. Um, I, I've been like on the elliptical trainer at the gym, like tearing up. People are wondering what's wrong oh. with me. <laughs> but they are. They're wow. very inspirational stories. Uh, something I have to ask you this, because this um, was fascinating to me uh, in some of the, the research how do you teach technology to people who aren't allowed access to technology? Uh, it's not easy. Um, <laughs> some of our students had never even put their hands on a keyboard before. Yeah, if you could give people some idea of what they have missed by being in incarcerated. My dad died in 2001, and when I look back at what he's missed even since then, how fast it's moved... I can't believe uh, the things that they must uh, not ever have access to and not even know about. Well, they do watch TV. So they see commercials and they, you know, listen to news programs and so forth. And and they can subscribe to magazines. And they do have a lot of guest speakers coming in, especially in San Quentin. So they have some idea. But as we all know, hearing about it and then actively participating are completely different. So, you know, we don't have internet access for the students. They're never allowed to be on the internet. So we actually created a simulated experience and a simulated environment um, so that they could be able to learn the skills, but within the realm of what is uh, allowable and possible in the system. So um, we created our own learning management platform where we house our curriculum. We've Oh, this, this is amazing story. Um, so imagine we have all these assets and all the videos and, and links within our within some of the the, uh, the subject matter, but you can't link out to the internet to find them. So we have to localize the content, and so now we have all these assets, all this information, but without Google, how do you search for it? You can't. So our advanced students, our program is a two-track program, six months each, and now we have an advanced track. So after one year of studying, if you have proficiency and show proficiency in San Quentin, especially, you have the chance to go into track three, or you could be interviewed to work for our dev shop, which is tlmworks.org, I mentioned earlier. Uh, So the track three students created and built their own search engine. It's called Jolt. And in fact, there was, there was a recent article in Wired about it. So we had to create our own search engine so the students would be able to easily access the assets. We created a, a code editor that would simulate the same experience as an online code editor. So when you enter your code and there's an error, you know, they have the way, uh, a way to um, fix it and to understand how to continue to evolve their skills to be more proficient. So yes, it's hard, but coming from a tech background and Chris and I being entrepreneurs, because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. It means we try harder. Wow. So, I mean, do you see this 
program expanding to other institutions or do you think San Quentin is just so unique that it's just probably going to stay right there and do good work there? Well, our, our uh, intention was always to scale. And so we treated it like a startup and San Quentin was our proof of concept. So after we started it, uh, after San Quentin was up and running for, I believe it was almost a year, uh, we started a program in the desert. We wanted to see, can we, can we actually effectively uh, implement this program remotely? And so we started with one, then two, three, four, five, six, and now we're in our seventh facility. We have three men, three women's, and one juvenile facility. All of those are in California with one exception. In April, we opened our program inside the Indianapolis Women's Prison. Why Indiana? <laughs> yeah, wow. Why Indiana? Because Governor Eric Holcomb contacted us, heard about the program. He said, I want to bring this to our state. And it's always our intention to expand, but out of state. But again, we want to do it methodically. So we um, have been running that program for about two and a half months. And um, our goal, by the end of the year, we should be in 10 facilities. And our goal is 50 in five. And we have other states that are already prepping. Uh, I'm going to visit uh, Oklahoma City in a couple of weeks. And uh, they will be hopefully up and running by the end of the year, if not the first of uh, 2019. And we are starting to prep a lot of other states and other facilities. So uh, we want to be the de facto learning management platform inside correctional facilities for technology training today and who knows where it will go in the future. Well, that's amazing. And with Jolt, you've created this kind of closed loop um, uh, internet like for, for, for institutions. Yes, exactly. No internet access is required. And the cool right. thing about Jolt is just like Google, you know, we can see usage. We can see which keywords are um, being searched on most often, which assets are most uh, oftenly referenced and, and on and on. And, you know, we can we can uh, utilize the data in aggregate to help us constantly improve. Wow. I, you, do you wake up just on fire with this every day? Because you sound, I mean, after years of running the program, <laughs> you still sound like, you know, people sound in the first couple of years. Oh, that's really nice of you to comment on. I, you know, I'm so passionate about my work because I am constantly reminded about the lives that we have changed, about the value that we, and when I say we, it's not just me and Chris. We have an amazing team of people. I, I call it my dream team. You know, we started small and now we have 15 employees. And they share our passion. Um, you know, I just don't see it ever stopping. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe 50 and five is, you know, uh, an understatement. Um, it could be 250 and 10 or more. But um, as we methodically scale and we, we uh, are able to help those who ha show proficiency and who have, you know, the skills. Um, just to change the narrative about who's inside. Like, imagine we have graduates who come home and they're getting jobs as software engineers. 
Like, is that the perception people have of those who are formerly incarcerated? I don't think so. And they've served 17, 19, 21 years. Wow. So I know you have so many stories that uh, have touched your heart over the years, but just in the last last month or so, last few weeks, what is something that has, that has pinged you again, that this, this, is, um, this is the right direction and, and this is what I want to do with my life? Well, well, I'll tell you, just last night um, or yesterday afternoon, um, we, Chris and I went to the Apple store on Union Square um, to hear Butterscotch. And her name is uh, Butterscotch Clinton. Antoinette Clinton is her name. Uh, Butterscotch, of course, is her performing name. And Butterscotch went to a an event, a, a festival, a conference in Big Sky, Montana, many years ago. And um, at that festival, they showed a mini documentary about the last mile. And she was so taken with it that she got in touch with us and she said, please let me know how I can participate. How can I help? And so she came in and actually performed. We put on a conference, uh, a concert last Thursday night for the Men of San Quentin. Uh, and then on Friday for our demo day graduation, she was, she opened the, the uh, event. And she's just amazing. She's a beatbox singer, performer. Um, and I urge everybody to look at Butterscotch or listen to Butterscotch music on, on Instagram and, and of course, Apple music iTunes, but we're, so she told us she was going to be at the Apple store. We went there and lo and behold, in the audience, it was very informal, was one of our graduates, Horacio Hart, who has an organization. He started in our entrepreneurship program called Healthy Hearts Institute. And um, it's a community garden on the East Bay. But I, there was Horatio with his wife and his two children, two of his three children. And just to see the family dynamic and how proud they are of their dad for what he has accomplished and to be able to just communicate with his wife and, and kids um, it was just like, it just fuels you with, this tremendous pride that you could be a conduit in helping to change their lives and the trajectory of his life, Horatio's is, you know, is just permeating throughout his family. His kids are uh, both in, in college and, and very successful in what they're doing. And it just, you know, just a circle of love around everyone. It just felt great. And those are the types of things that fuel you. Kenyatta Leal, who's an alumni of our very, very first cohort at San Quentin, was just in Geneva speaking at the UN for the Human Rights Council, talking about the prison to pipe, poverty to prison pipeline. He was incarcerated for 19 years. He's been free for four and a half, thanks to Prop 36 being overturned. 19 years. He served 19 years. And when he was resentenced, he was resentenced to seven years. He had already served 19, so he came home. He's in Geneva speaking in front of the UN on human rights. And so, you know, and today he actually works for the last mile. He was worked for a technology company, Rocket Space, for four and a half years. So that's what keeps me going. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, when your work can touch humanity in such a profound way that, and, and you can make those kinds of connections for people in their lives and for yourself, that's, that's living. That's fantastic. All right. I ask everyone this, um, uh, all my guests this. So you're running your incubator, working with the last mile, probably have a very per- busy personal life. What do you do to kind of stay creative, replenish your idea factory, get in touch with that part of you that helps you be productive and creative on a daily basis. What do you do? I'm a fitness fanatic. I love to work out. I love to dance. Um, but I think the, the number one thing is that Chris and I have such an amazing relationship. You know, as husband and wife, having been involved in business, for uh, for all the years that we've known each other, because that's originally how we met. Um, we are constantly, although sometimes I do say time out, we can't, no prison, you know, for the next 30 minutes, can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, I think when it's a, a kind of a calling and it's not work, um, we're, we're just always thinking about how can we make it better? What more can we do? And, you know, who, 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 who needs help? Who, who, where, where do we need to go next? And how do we continue to flourish and do as much as we can to help affect as many people and touch as many people as we can? And we come up with some more of Chris's crazy ideas and, <laughs> uh, you know, I and you do the research. Yeah, and then I do the research, and then I do the work. <laughs> uh, we, we, I mean, his capacity for work is just non-paralleled. Um, but, but you know, what keeps you creative? We keep reading. We keep talking to people. We go to events, um, and you know, we meet people like you who will help us to tell our story. And hopefully it touches someone who will reach out, uh, info at thelastmile.org, and tell us if you want to help in any way or, or come in and speak or whatever the subject might be. Um, we're, we're always just welcome, welcoming people with new ideas, and we listen. How great. And how great to have a partner that you're so closely aligned with in so many different ways. That's, that's a beautiful thing, too. Excellent. Thank you. Beverly Parenti, thank you so much. Executive Director of The Last Mile. Thanks for being here. And uh, we'll encourage everyone to visit your website and, and check out The Last Mile, doing such amazing work. This has been delightful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to continuing our friendship. And um, please reach out if there's anything that I can possibly do to help you. Oh, Beverly Parenti, she's fantastic. And we just thank her so much for uh, coming on the podcast with us and talking a little more about The Last Mile, which is an incredible program. And they actually have a ton of video if you're interested in knowing more about it. Uh, But again, just a great conversation with her. All right, before I let you go, I want to let you know about New Age Designs. Web design, development with purpose, ambition, and analytics. If you need digital marketing, you need design, SEO, SEM, Google Analytics set up, they can do it. They get you all set up with web hosting and they know all the key technologies. New Age Design staff has spent decades managing various UX and web marketing projects for large corporations, giving them the opportunity to work with the most talented digital agencies in the world. They can certainly help you. Check them out at newagedesigns.com. When you reach out, use the code Fresh Agenda, they'll take great care of you. 
You can reach out to me anytime at ChristinaMendonca.com. Hop on my website, say hi. Uh, you can listen to me on News Radio KFBK every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. You can find us in the Sacramento area on 93.1 FM, 1530 a.m., or anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app. So thanks again for being here. This has been a fresh agenda. We'll talk to you next time. This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.